Well, good morning and welcome to our first edition of West Meadows at Home. We're really glad that you've chosen to join us here today as we're trying to continue to enforce this habit that was so good for us to come together 10 a.m. every Sunday to gather as God's family here at West Meadows. If you're with us in March, you know that we had started a sermon series on the book of Daniel. And so we've decided to put that aside until a chance when we're all together again back in the sanctuary and do something a bit different for our teaching time. You know, as I contemplated that earlier this week, I was really plagued with that question of, of what am I going to talk about? In part because I was plagued by the question of, well, what do you talk about in a time such as where we find ourselves today? Because I think you'll agree with me that we are living in unprecedented times. I met with a few people throughout the week, and we are trying to remember any time in each of our own personal histories that parallels the situation we currently find ourselves in with this COVID-19 crisis. And even those who are a few generations older than me could not think of a time when so many businesses were shut down, when, when the schools were closed, when toilet paper was considered to be a wise investment that you could put your money into. And, and when was the last time that the churches were shut down across North America and even across the world? You know, the world we're in is very different. Earlier this week, I also went into the bank for a few moments to make a deposit, and while I was making the deposit, a couple of guys came in the back with, with masks on, and I was really nervous at first until they announced that they were just there to rob the place, and then I was able to relax a little bit more. You know, here at West Meadows, we've had to make some changes as well. Obviously, we've had to postpone our Sunday services, hence the West Meadows at Home format that we hope you'll enjoy in the weeks ahead. We've had to cancel extravaganza, and, and our group ministries have halted. Additionally, you may not be aware, but two of our staff, Zach and Thena, are both on self-isolation because they were recently traveling in the United States. And we encourage you to pray for them, that they will come back to us healthy and strong and ready to go in just a couple of days here. And especially Zach, as he is planning to put together some live music to go along with our West Meadows at Home format. So you can anticipate that in the days ahead as well. You know, as I checked in with them to see how they were doing, I was encouraged that both of them are doing well, even though they are in isolation, which they shared with me is a struggle. It's a struggle to be separate from people, to be on your own, and to endure that loneliness. And as I contemplated that, it got me thinking and remembering the Apostle Paul and the time when he wrote a letter to some people he dearly loved, the believers in the church in Philippi. That's the letter we know in our Bible called the book of Philippians. You see, when he wrote that letter, Paul was under house arrest in Rome. He was cut off from the rest of the world, and while he was physically there, his heart and his thoughts were with his church. His heart and his thoughts were with God's love for all of God's people. And that even while he was facing these trials, the main theme of the letter he sent to them was to, was to connect with them, to share what was happening in his life, and to thank them for sharing what was happening in their world. He was writing to encourage them in the midst of their hardships, but also he was writing to encourage them to rejoice. Yes, to find joy even in the midst of difficult situations. And so perhaps as you contemplate Paul's situation, and maybe even your own that you find yourself in today, you can see parallels in this. That you're living a bit of this isolation and being cut off from things that your heart and your mind is so fond of and love so much. And you yourself are wondering, joy? Really? How? How do we find joy? Where do we find joy in the midst of this? Well, that's a valid question. That's an important question for us to be asking. 
And so for the next few weeks, we are going to take our time together at West Meadows at Home to walk through what's referred to as the Epistle of Joy. And so if you have your Bibles with you, or if you want to run and grab one quickly, or open up your phones to your Bible app, we're going to start walking through the book of Philippians today. Starting right now, this very day, I hope that you will see that we can find confidence, that we can find joy, not in the ever-changing circumstances of the world around us, but found in the reality, in the consistency, and in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now that may sound too simple. It may sound like easy answers. If you're watching this and you don't currently have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it may even seem to you like it's just the opiate of the masses. But have you ever met a follower of Jesus Christ who just seems to have this unshakable hope? This unfailing optimism? And have you left that person wondering why do they have that? Where does that come from? Well, give me the next 15 minutes to explain to you where I think that comes from. As we start reading the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul introduces himself and and his protege, Timothy, by referring to themselves as servants of Jesus Christ. And then he says that he's writing to all of God's holy people in Jesus Christ at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. And then he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This introduction is very similar to the other letters that Paul writes, but there's, there's one difference. You see, Paul was considered the founder and the spiritual leader of most of these churches, but he doesn't claim any sense of authority in his introduction of himself. Instead, he identifies himself as a slave of Jesus, and that he's writing to all of God's holy people, or, or some translations will say saints, meaning it's a group of people who are set apart by their identity in Christ as well. See, what Paul's trying to establish right out of the gates here is that there's a sense of inclusiveness. That regardless if he's in prison and they're in their homes, if if he's the founder and they're the followers, that they all stand on level ground and that they are all united in one thing. And that unity being Jesus Christ. That one relationship, that one commitment, that one spirit that binds them together even though they are apart. And this unity is not changed by geographical distance. It's not changed by different situations they may find themselves in the world. And his desire for them, as we see in verse 2, his desire for them is grace and peace. The grace and peace that comes from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm guessing there's many who are listening to my voice right now and you're thinking, I, I could use some peace. I could use some grace in my life right now. Well, I understand that because even before the coronavirus and its implications descended upon us, I know many of you were already facing challenges in life. Even within my own social circle, there are people, friends of mine, that are in hospital going through surgeries. There are others that are struggling with loneliness and isolation for for reasons unrelated to COVID-19. There are those who are facing layoffs at the end of the month, facing financial burdens, who, who have children who are going astray in various ways and reasons that breaks their hearts. And then all of a sudden, the COVID virus gets not replacing these things, but added on top of them. And as the days go on, we can feel the stress building in our offices, in our homes. The stress is building in Costco. It seems like there's a loss of joy and a loss of happiness. To the point where people have actually started putting up Christmas decorations again. 
they're decorating the outside of their houses with lights and the insides with Christmas trees. And so here's the good news, is that if you haven't put, taken your Christmas tree down yet, you're on the cutting edge of what's happening right now to spread this season of joy, to try and bring some sense of happiness into the world and into their lives. But let me share something with you about happiness. You know, that word happy actually comes from the root word hap. Now, the word hap is translated to mean chance or good luck. That's where we get the other words perhaps and the word happenstance from. And here's something else I'm willing to wager. It's that even if you didn't know the origin of the word happiness, that your experience with happiness matches that because quite often our happiness is based upon happenstance in our lives. That means that when we're lucky, when things are going well, we are happy. But we all know that that's not the constant position we find ourselves in, that sometimes things don't go well. And then we lose our happiness and we lose our joy. Now, now Paul's going to get to joy in a minute here. That's why it's called the epistle of joy. But what I want you to understand is that true joy is not based on happenstance. True joy is found in Jesus Christ, who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the first and the last, who is the beginning and the end. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he is the one who says to us, come to me, all of you who are weary. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I want to echo Paul's words for you today. Grace and peace to you. Not based upon what's happening in your life but based upon the unchanging, ever-present love of Jesus Christ for you. Now as we continue in this letter, from here Paul starts to get a little mushy. In fact, he expresses his heartfelt thankfulness for this church to whom he's writing. And if you're reading along with me, we pick it up in verse 3 where he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As Paul thinks back and kind of reminisces upon the good times, those days when they were together and the past experiences were together, side by side, they were working and seeing people's lives changed by the impact of God's love. He prays for them because this joy wells up within him. That while their circumstances may have changed, where where he's in prison and they're so far away, they still remain the same, unfaithful, unbroken bond between them. He knows that his current situation will not last forever. And so with his eyes set towards the future, he places his trust in the fact that God is still at work and God is not done with his work. Because he says in verse 6 that God will see it through to completion, the good work that he has started in Philippi, the people of that city, but also the faithful people who are part of that church. I believe the very, very same thing for West Meadows too. God has been so faithful to us over these past few years. He has blessed us, guided us, and protected us as we have strived to live out the mission to invite people to experience a life that is better with Jesus. And we have seen our church grow in the area of young families. We have seen people come to new faith and to express that faith through the waters of baptism, to learn and grow more about God's love for them. 
we have served our community faithful the last couple of years. And I believe that even though we're taking a break of fashions right now, that God is not done with us yet. And that this ever-present reality will not continue forever. But even in these moments, we carry on in our mission to invite people to experience a life that is better with Jesus. But you know, there's another reason, a more personal reason, that Paul prays for his church in this manner. It's because he has a deep affection for them. He says, we read Paul's words here as he prays for them. It's like a father who's looking at his child who is tackling life's adventures and challenges with great success. As we continue learning about this in verse 7, it says, It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And, and where I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. See, not only are they in his heart, but he knows that he is in their heart. And that's an unbreakable family bond that they have. That even if Paul is arrested and chains are persecuted, they have stood with him. And again, we see this truth. That our unity, that our hope, and that our joy is not based on happenstance. It's based upon the unbreakable bond that we share in Jesus Christ. You know, as I currently stand in this room alone, a room that seats up to a thousand people. And as you watch me on your screens and devices, it could be easy to feel like that bond has been broken, to feel like we are alone, that we've lost fellowship. But remember, if we are united in Christ, if we stand strong together in Christ, then we are not separated from Christ or from one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the truth for today, and it will be the truth for the days to come. But this is not a time of inactivity either. It's not a time for us to shrink back as the church. It is a time and an opportunity for us to press on. And we see this as Paul continues in his letter as well, when he says in verse 9, and this is my prayer, this is his, this is his request, his desire for them that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. See, Paul cries out to the Lord on their behalf. He's saying, Lord, Lord help them continue, even in this time when we're apart. God, help them to continue to grow in love, in love for each other and for those around them in particular. Help them to grow in love during this time, Lord. And it's not a love that's, that's informed by what's happening around them. It's a love that's informed and shaped by their knowledge of God's love for them. It's a love that goes beyond information, though, because he adds to this that, that he wants them to, to have this depth of insight. And see, what he's talking about here is that we want to have this ability to have knowledge but not to stop there, to have the knowledge, but be able to take the step of applying that knowledge in our lives. And see, it's one thing to know something, but it's a whole other thing to actually apply it. Sometimes this is referred to as the difference between intelligence and wisdom. And it can be referred to in the context in which Paul is using it here as, as knowing and practicing moral perception. What does that mean? Moral perception means you have the ability to know and to do the right thing in any situation. 
You know, this week was a little crazy for me, as I'm sure for many of you it was as well. And, and wouldn't you know it, that right when I'm studying this part, right when I'm putting pen to paper to think, how am I going to share with you about this idea of growing in love for one another, right in the middle of that, I have an encounter with a person that led me to lose my composure, let's say. What I mean by that is some strong inside words came out in their presence. And I was thinking, man, we all need to abound more in the depth of God's love. I'm no exception to that. And acknowledging that, I, I, just so you know, I did take the steps to try to make it right and, and apologize to that person. And, and man, we need to do better. People are saying this is a time when relationships are going to be strained like never before. And if there's ever an opportunity for us to, to try to grow in our love for one another, this is the time, folks. You see, the goal is that we could discern what's best. That not we could fulfill my God-honoring role for myself, but we could say, what is my role in honoring God? What is my role? What is the action I can do in this situation that brings honor and glory to God? What does it look like for me to be blameless, not for my own sake, but for the sake of others and for the reputation of Jesus Christ? What does it look like to be filled with the fruit of righteousness as fear is replaced with hope, as selfishness is replaced with sacrifice, as daily we live out demonstrations of God's love for us? And what is the power of God's love? What is this demonstration of this love? Well, we read best about it in 1 John chapter 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, another thing that all of humanity shares in is the fact that all of us have been wronged by somebody in this world. All of us have wronged another person in this world. And all of us have wronged God as well. This is what the Bible refers to as sin, as, as falling short. And you know very well in your own life that when somebody wrongs you, it matters. It leaves an impact. It makes a difference. There are consequences to it. The same thing is true when we've wronged and violated God's laws and, and character and will. It matters, and there are consequences. And Romans 6.23 says that the consequences, the, the wages it calls it there, is death. Meaning the spiritual death where, where our sin leads to this spiritual gap and divide between us and between God. And it's a divide that we on our own power can't bridge. We can try. We can do all sorts of good works and good efforts and good things in the world around us in our own lives. And, but we always seem to fall short still. It's like trying to pull yourself up with your own bootstraps. It's, it's just not possible. But finish the verse. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin are death, but, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, and he demonstrated this love for us as God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world, to stand in that gap between us and God, to bridge that gap as Jesus gave himself up in our place. The wages of sin were death as Jesus gave up his life that through his death we may live. 
But it didn't end there because you see on Easter in just a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose victoriously, conquering and defeating sin and death. And therefore rightfully stands offering all of us the opportunity to be free from our sin. To be free from the guilt and the shame and the consequences of our sin by becoming identified in his victory. Not identified in our sin. Romans 10 says this, that if we are faithful to confess our sins, if we are faithful to say that we have sinned and need forgiveness, and the forgiveness is found beyond us, it's found in Jesus Christ, that if we will confess that, that we will be saved. And when that happens, when we accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we become new creations. We become sons and daughters in the family of God. We receive an inheritance that will never fade, never spoil, and never perish. You see, folks, that is why and that is how we can have joy in all circumstances. Because it is placed and founded in the one constant, Jesus Christ. The constant source of hope, confidence, and joy. Now, to close, I just want to ask each of us in, in the unique situations we find ourselves in right now, I, I know there are some people who have, who have received notice or are on the verge of layoffs. There are those who are wrestling with, with health concerns. There are those who are plagued with anxiety, and it's infiltrating all of their decisions, their thoughts right now, and they're just wondering, what is next? I also know that there are those out there who are doing okay, who are succeeding in finding new pathways for living in this particular season, and they're actually wondering, how can I help? How can I help others? Well, here's a question I'd ask you to consider right now in the situation you find yourself in. What does the fruit of righteousness look like in your life? Maybe for you it starts with taking that step of faith and seeking God's forgiveness for your sins through Jesus Christ. Maybe for you it's found in, in not allowing fear to rule and reign, but placing your hope, your confidence, and your joy in Jesus Christ. Maybe practically speaking, it's, it's in taking safely, taking steps to assist a, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a, a senior in your community, in the church who, who has errands to run but is not able to. Maybe it's taking time to call somebody, to FaceTime with them because they're isolated and lonely, to share words of love and encouragement when they need it most right now. What does the fruit of righteousness look like in your life in the situation you find yourself in today? You know, in the coming days, we're going to hear of many opportunities through West Meadows where you can engage in these sorts of actions to support and encourage one another. But don't wait for us. If there's something available to you right now, seize that opportunity. Seize that opportunity. Because you see, the ability, the insight, and the motivation to do so may appear within us naturally on occasion but all of us know it doesn't last because when our situations rise up, when our luck seems to have run out, when, when our happenstances go against us, we naturally turn to other things. You see, if we want to have a constant hope, confidence, and joy in any season, in particular in this season, that is found in the reality, the constancy, and the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, we love because he first loved us. So I want to close with a word of prayer right now. But before I do, I want to remind you as well that uh, after my prayer, you're going to see that there are some links that come up on the screen in the comment box beside me here.
where there are some questions, where you can keep the conversation going in your own private devotional time, or perhaps you have some family gathered with you where you can discuss these things in further detail. So I want to encourage you to keep that conversation going and invite you now if you join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray for those out there who are struggling right now. You know what's happening in their lives, Lord. You know their situations. You know their struggles, their pains, and their fears. I just pray, Lord, that the, in the power in the name of Jesus Christ, that the presence of the Holy Spirit that is among them and with them would just bring to their hearts and to their minds your grace and your peace in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May you be our source of hope, Lord. May you be the one we look to and find joy. May you be the one that, that transforms a life to experience those things, to have a peace that should not exist in the midst of the situations we're in, that we would not only have that for ourselves, but be an example for the world around us and encourage others to find that life is better with Jesus. For those who are listening, Lord, who may not have a relationship with you, I pray that right now they would just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing in the gap, for paying the price for my sins. Thank you for being victorious over sin, over my sin. You gave your life for me. I now give you mine. Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or call the office throughout the week. And if we don't hear from you through those means, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday at 10 a.m. for West Meadows at Home.